0: Well, folks welcome to marvel noise i'm your host david price thank you for joining me today you are uh you're going to hear from steve and kevin they're having uh, they're going to have a uh, raker's dozen for you and we'll get to that in a few minutes i just um wanted to throw a few first issues a few things that i've read over the um past few days first up is uh moon girl and devil dinosaur that is written by uh brandon montclair and amy reader art by um Atacha Bustos, and it is fantastic. The the main character, uh, Lunella, she reminds me of one of my nieces, and I think when this first arc is collected, I will be getting it for, uh, for Jordan, because there's just there's a lot of similarities there. Um, it just, I, I'm reading it, and and the way the character is acting and her personality and and just she's extremely intelligent everything is just screaming jordan to me so uh i think she'll get a kick out of it the art is is really really fitting i i like it a lot it's very lively um it's it's loose ish uh it's cartoony in a way but it it's very fitting It, it works really really well um I'm not too familiar. I haven't read too many of uh, the old double dinosaur stories. I haven't read a lot of Moonboy, so I don't know um, where the similarities are. I enjoyed the connection from the old to the new and, and looking forward to uh, seeing where that's going. also read um, Black Knight, number one. That's um, that's written by uh, Frank Thierry, and uh, your art is by Luca Pizzari, and that is... Uh, that takes place on Weird World, which is pretty neat. And it is, uh, it was, it, it was a really good setup issue to get you an idea of what Dane is in charge of what, what he may be in store for, uh, one that I really didn't know what to expect going in with it. But, uh, what I'm really glad that I have read and am looking forward to the, uh, to the second issue, I started Hawkeye number one, which ties in pretty much to the previous Hawkeye volume by, uh, Jeff Lemire and Ramon Perez. This time though, instead of it being a flashback to Clint's early days with a very watercolory, uh, painted look, uh, this time the second story, the parallel story is set in the future, 20 years in the future. And is a very gritty, um, uh, d- deliberate, but, but, but thin, um, a little gritty, scratchy, just the very opposite of the present day story, which is, uh, very full and, um, bold and, and colorful. It, it's, it, the contrasts really work well. Um, but you know, team Hawkeye. So we'll see where this one's going. Uh, also, um, well, I, I caught up on Radio After Spider Gwen. I have to finish Hell Hydra. I have to um I have an issue or two of Captain America Sam Wilson to read as well as the new um Astonishing Ant Man. So there are a few um few things that I still need to get to. Um, but there were uh I think I mentioned the Illuminati last time, I think. I yeah no I mentioned it. On 11 o'clock comics and uh jason did as well but um i'm just not a big fan of the hood so we'll see where um where that's going i'll um it, the, the other characters are kind of what i'm interested in so we'll see if i stick around with it and, and i am a fan of Sean crystal so i want to um I'm enjoying the art there, just like I'm enjoying the art in the uh, the, the Howling Commandos of um, the Howling Commandos Shield, because the uh, the art by uh, Brent Shonover is fitting there as well. So there are a few things that I have to get back to, and that I um, I need to finish, and that I've been really uh, excuse me lax on with picking up, but you know we just had a holiday. I hope everybody who enjoyed. Thanksgiving had a wonderful Thanksgiving so things have just been a little hectic-y for me so I'm not uh, as caught up as I'd like to be so I'm just gonna let the guys do the thing you're gonna hear from Steve and Kevin now and uh, that's pretty much it so um, enjoy what they have to say take care everybody bye-bye
1: Hey, True Believers. The Battalion grunts, Steve Raker and Kevin Whirlwind x here from the comic book bunker, aiming another assemblage of aspirations at you. What's going on, Kevin?
2: They still haven't announced where Citizen B is going to be.
1: Uh, what book is he going to pop up in? I don't
2: know.
1: Is there, it, it... Is there a book that uh, Zemo's popped up in?
2: Um, I guess not. All the... Right. the... The most recent one is is that Agents of Atlas. Sometimes that doesn't one follows really count. the other. You know? Yeah.
1: <laughs> you can find Marvel Noise uh, here, wherever you found us this time. And we also have a Facebook page and a Twitter. And uh, Kevin is at WWXKev and I'm at Steve Raker. And you can find an archive of episodes on MarvelNoise.com. And there's that other show we do, Kevin, Indie Noise, where we talk about the indie books we're reading. Although, so, uh, kind of, it's been a little bit of a break, uh, the last few weeks, right? I, uh, uh we've been trying to keep this show, uh, rolling, but I just had a big death in the family, uh, so we're, uh, running, running out of town. <laughs> it, it's funny, though, I was thinking my grandfather uh, is the one who passed away. I'm, like, 45, so I still have my grandfather's up school now. It's pretty, uh, Cool. But uh, he was born in 27, so he was too young for World War II, but he, like, came into adulthood just after the war, when, like, normalcy was happening in uh, the U.S. He was really into, like, the Shadow and the Green Hornet, uh, like the old radio plays and stuff, um, and, like, like, trivial facts about characters, like Shadow and Hornet, like who their aliases are or uh, the names of their cars and that kind of stuff. Loved Captain America, though. Um, when I was a kid, I made this cardboard Captain America shield, you know, um, uh, and you know colored it the right things in the front with a lopsided star and everything, and he hung it on his wall with like a little Jack Kirby uh, cap pick, and it was there for decades. It uh, might be there still, actually, uh, although not for long. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, he knew that uh, Cap was Steve Rogers, and uh, he, that the Submariner was Namor, although he called him the Submariner. Yeah,
2: oh, that's okay. Uh,
1: could name Molnir and like all the Norse gods and that kind of stuff. Uh, he wasn't into comics, but he just knew these little things about the characters and liked to uh, fire them off now and it, like you know, he called the Martian Manhunter by his first name. You know, knew the Lantern Oath, uh, knew what Shazam stood for. You know, like like the old time pop culture uh, things. But uh, so we uh, have really a mishmash of just wanted to catch up with you since we didn't have time between uh, Andrew running off for uh, his uh, cross country Thanksgiving plans. Uh, We have Thanksgiving down here in the States, uh, Kevin, uh, this week. You do. And uh, so it's you and me, kiddo.
2: All right, it's a lazy afternoon with Steve.
1: Woohoo! <laughs> what you been reading?
2: Well, I've been sort of—I guess I've been reading things out of order because <laughs> I—I read all those like number ones. Well, I guess I—I I should say first I read like Secret Wars number six, then I read the number ones, I guess, and then I read some tie-ins, and then I read number seven. So it's. See, this is kind of weird.
1: I'm not doing that. And now I even though I haven't read the number ones, I thoroughly enjoyed hearing you guys talk about them. That was a fun segment. And every time you went on a segway and you guys did my usual thing of uh pulling the the train back onto the the main track, <laughs> so... I was like, "No, no, 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 no. Keep going on the tangent." But uh so that was entertaining.
2: Oh, I think we wore out the brakes on the on the, on that train. It was it was it was sort of like we were full speed ahead, and then someone tried to pull the emergency brake, and it, it took a <laughs> while to adjust. The it was.
1: But I've told oof. you, I'm, I'm not going to read those number ones until after Secret Wars is done, <laughs> and then they added that extra issue onto Secret Wars, so it's uh, uh, you know going to be what till January now. So I'm going to take the advantage of like catching up on. I'm going to get closure on the Marvel universe I grew up with, and get all the way uh, through a lot of the stuff that I've let pile up and whatnot.
2: Well, they rebooted the Marvel University. No, I'm just, I'm just messing with you. Well, we'll see. We don't know what's going on.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, i I wanna I wanna know everything that I'm supposed to know going into it.
2: There was another number one that came out, the Agents of Atlas number one, which I didn't yeah. read for that number one's episode because it was a Secret Wars tie-in. So right. good, but that that really. Made me miss, like, the Agents of Atlas and that whole crazy team with the Gorilla Man, M11, Venus, Marvel Boy. N- not the Marvel Boy everyone thinks about, but the other Marvel Boy.
1: <laughs> Comic Book Confession. Have not read that series, even though I love uh, Gabe Hardman's artwork and and him as a person as well.
2: Um Have not read that series. That's weird. I thought that, like... You usually say, oh, I haven't read Born Again, which is a crime. But, you know, it was from the 80s, so we all go, oh, okay. Yeah. But something like Agents of Atlas, like, you think that would be a, would have been a thing you would have caught at some point?
1: Yep. I mean, I've read a couple little uh, one-shotty things or versus the Avengers and X-Men and that kind of thing. You know, I know who they are. I know what the deal is. Um, but I haven't read the series, and uh, I will one of these days. I promise mm-hmm. to share
2: my thoughts as well. <laughs> I'm sure I'll be tickled. But I guess after you see some of these things come back, and then you're just like, like th- there's titles you miss, but you're like, oh, that was okay, that was a run, or they'll be back or whatever, but I don't know, sometimes you have titles that are just hard letting go. And I think it was, it was, I guess worse with Agents of Atlas, because you're like, oh, that was a six-issue mini, and then they like announced an ongoing series, and you're like, okay, well that's not going to sell, but I'll be there. And then they just kept on doing more and more stuff that didn't sell. <laughs> so, so it's just weird. It's like, yeah, I got to see more of those characters, but I think something like maybe Priest Black Panther would be probably the height of. I can't believe that's not around, type of thing for me. I, I, I think it took many, many years for me to going, man, I can't believe that series still isn't around. Like, I still, I still think of that series. I think New Warriors is sort of, like, one of those books for me, too. Because people try to recreate it. It still exists. But I always think they they always do it with, like, new characters. They're like, oh, we want to recapture. And no one can recapture that. So I'm like, why don't we just take the the New Warriors, the original lineup, and just do what they're doing now? I guess they wouldn't be the New Warriors. They'd only be the Warriors. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> but I'm thinking, m- instead of recapturing that, I don't know. Maybe was, you, could, you could just use the original lineup in a in a different team or something like that. I don't know. Spider Man 299 is almost like that too. It's like you just can't go back to that. But yeah, happy to see the the agents of Atlas. And there's one page in here that was just like, wow, for our original art page. I'm like, I would like to own that page. It's a Baron Zemo page, of course. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, it's very fun. I don't know if other people would get as much out of it. Like, it's a good action story and everything, but I think if you have some attachment to the characters, you're going to be like, yeah, but that's why you're really buying the book.
1: I also, uh, for tie-ins, I've been trying to close out some of those Secret Wars tie-in series, and uh, I'm keeping a master list, a little scorecard of thumbs up, thumbs down. You know, mm. I... I we went over all of the first issues of them and uh, all the concepts seemed cool but it was interesting to see which ones would pay off and and which ones have it and I'll, uh, I'll I'm I'll keep that tally and and uh, let you know when when I'm done along with it but uh, you were saying you were going to read we- Weird World did you finish that up?
2: I did. I I wanted to I don't know how much we were going to spoil about some of those things but some of the endings weren't exactly what I was expecting, but I was fine with it, but... I don't know, it just... Things get... I don't want to say weird, because it's a weird world, but... I don't know. I, I guess I didn't... Like, some of them ended and obviously led into the Secret Wars book, but other ones ended rather differently.
1: Well, the weird thing about Weird World... We know that Weird World was going to be this love letter to the 70s... Um you know, books that weren't superhero books, right? The the sword and sorcery and the fantasy-type books. Um, So we've got Archon, right? We've got Man-Thing. We've got uh, characters from Crystar, the Crystal (laughs) Warrior, which really was uh, quite entertaining to me, especially when we finally get to see Crystar uh, rendered by Del Mundo. Really cool. Um, But, you know, it's just a matter of putting... You know, the other character was Skull the Slayer that we got, right? And yeah. he, he was a character I never really read much of, but his deal was he had this scorpion belt, and he put on the belt. And uh, But originally, he and a couple of his companions were in a plane, and they went to the Bermuda Triangle, and they go to this other dimension that's a lot like Weird World. Okay? And that's where he gets the belt, I think. And huh. Ben Grimm, actually, is the one who saves them the thing. And uh brings them back from the other dimension, and you know then he had the belt, and he went on his adventures and whatnot but that's there's a scene at the very end of weird world when the universe, I guess is being reconstituted um uh, that has a plane landing in a weird world <laughs> uh but none of the char- none of the three people in the plane seemed to, like I was thinking oh this is Skull the Slayer having his origin over again it's going to be like a circular thing but the three people on the plane none of them would, are candidates to you know to to be uh, him so uh, it was just strange it was really it like touched on wanted to touch on the vibes but it wasn't particularly solid on making the connections which is fine it was a fantasy it, it was a fever dream
2: yeah I thought it was a really good book but probably because, you know, Aaron brought the craziness, and then the art by Del Mondo was pretty phenomenal. So, Absolutely. And then it seems like they have two books spitting out of this, because we're getting Weird, weird World, and it, I haven't read Black Knight, but it seems like Black Knight's like sort of in a in a weird world himself. Yeah. Well,
1: I'm sure it'll be entertaining. It's obviously uh, inspired folks to want to carry the torch, so.
2: Yeah, the other one I really enjoyed was Thor's, but I guess I should have read that, the fourth issue, before I read the seventh issue of Secret Wars. Hmm. <laughs> they sort of, like, repurposed some dialogue and scenes in that one, too, so.
1: Yeah, but it, um, there's a part of the pacing of Secret Wars between issues where, whether you like the technique or not, Um, Since it's an event book and there's things happening in other books it might fool you but Hickman is pacing it such that stuff happens in between issues. Yeah. Okay. Whether it's the rise of the prophet and him generating his rebellious army and marching on Doomguard uh, or what have you. Um, But because it's an event book and there's these other tie-ins I think there's a conceit for the reader to think that. Oh this must be st- stuff that happened else. Like they're going to tell these stories elsewhere. But it's not. It's just Hickman telling his story. And picking the important beats. And that you know it's not important. How the army got raised of the prophet. What was important was that he marched. And that he started the chaos. And it had a funny reveal moment. When, when the prophet was revealed too. And then you <clears throat> understand why you didn't need to see him. Collecting the army. That wasn't the point you know. And I think there's some things that happen off screen so to speak that really aren't the point and yeah. i did the same thing as you i read secret war seven before reading thors and uh it was okay with me i felt like it wasn't like i immediately knew when when the thors start um spouting off that something just happened uh that was enough uh, yeah. she she's speaking lies um she, you know uh no it's blasphemy it's like all right The female Thor spoke up. Like, I I get that. In one of the previous issues of just Secret Wars, without reading any of the tie-ins, you saw that she went in and she started hanging out with the Thors, and and she spoke up. Would that be a great scene to see every bit of? Yeah, it would be pretty cool, but do you have to? And especially in a painted book like The Secret Wars, now that all the um, excrement is hitting the fan? uh, I didn't need it. I, I actually find that pacing sometimes of Hickman's refreshing. It makes it seem like no, this is even bigger what's happening. Like, that? Not that's not even as, as big. You didn't even need to see that moment. What, what's really important is what happens now. Uh, but in that particular case, you go back to Thor's and you do get to see that scene expanded upon. And Hickman has said in his interview that he uh, just like with the Siege book, uh, the end of the Siege book and Secret Wars number six, I believe, um, he had the benefit of seeing the other writer's dialogue in the scene, and pulling just a little bit from it, or whatever he wanted from it, to um, you know uh, correlate it to his pacing of, of his book. and And I think that's really cool. I, I actually think it would work either way. Um, yeah, but uh, I do think that it's such a cool scene that. You, you you are missing something if you don't read the Thor's four, but I really don't think you you need to.
2: There's some cool reveals too, and this like one of them I'm like, why didn't I think about that? And then the other one has to do with like the Marvel Universe, like where it's heading.
1: Yeah, I mean, considering that six was such a talky, um, I love the issue because it was the talky scenes really advanced. Everyone's understanding of what was going on so much that the tension really got me excited. Right? It's like um, <laughs> Susie and Valeria are picking at the scab, you know, of, of reality. And you get uh, the, you know the two reeds working together in their dialogue. You get Spider Man um, and uh, and Spider Man <laughs> <laughs> uh, finding um, uh, you know the Molecule Man and getting the explanation of what's going on. And then you get the Black Panther. Yes. Uh, and Namor uh, kind of coming to terms with each other and finding a few big. artifacts from, uh, you know, from Doctor Strange left over, and I thought it's really clever. I mean, uh, it, you know, finding another Infinity Gauntlet for the Panther um, is like yeah, another Infinity Gauntlet. But when it's explained in context of what's going on, it's really really cool of how the pieces are set up. Um, that this is a patchwork uh, planet of different realities and whether I like it or not and I kind of don't they have this <laughs> whole thing about there being an infinity gauntlet in every reality and you know it, it's something that Hickman's carried over into his work I can't remember if here Bendis did it first but uh, for for good or for worse there's a thing of there's infinity gems a complete set of Infinity gems, gems in every reality and therefore an Infinity Gauntlet in every reality but it only works in its home reality um, so that all plays into into um, falls into play
2: here and I think that'll be really cool yeah and Black Panther gets another big moment in, in number 7 as well
1: yeah and again going back to Hickman and, and planting his seeds there you know one of my favorite things about Hickman's Fantastic Four run was the Reed and T'Challa, um, friendship that was expanded upon after the big mega story when they just had the sort of single issues for like a year and a half, uh, a year and a half's worth of issues. <laughs> with, the double sh- with the double shipping, it might have been four months soon. I can't recall. Yeah. Um, but they had the Panther, um, and, and previously the Panther had been all broken up, his continuity with, um, or at least his status in, the, in Marvel's continuity because um, uh, Shuri, the female panther, was the leader of Wakanda and he wasn't. And Hickman really spent some time on the panther, so much so that I remember us on our Fantastic Four bit saying, you know, man, I'd love to see Hickman keep going with <laughs> the panther. And then getting the new Avengers book and having yeah. that be a continuation of, of his panther story, we were like, oh, this is cool. But he really went through all these paces to make him the lord of the dead and the king of the dead in the necropolis. And it makes perfect sense with the history of the panthers and the f- history of the kings and having all the knowledge of the previous kings and for all those kings must exist somewhere and there must be a panther tie to that. And that was all just well and good in its own little capsule. But now it's been expanded and the... It was the point all along, Hickman was saying that like he had this Secret Wars seven story beat in mind when he was way back fooling around with the Panther.
2: It's crazy. It's awesome. <laughs> it's like, oh that's just a one off story. No, no, it wasn't. <laughs> oh so cool.
1: And such a and such a satisfying it was like one of those big grin at marvel and marvel's history and the characters and everything type of moment and it's so fun when someone can pluck the strings in that kind of a way and and uh hickman really did it there
2: yeah it's, it seems like seven is just one whole like you're just seeing all the pieces coming together and all the the battles starting to be waged and everything like that after all the all the talky and all the how is this gonna work how is this gonna hold together
1: well, now we get the finale, but I can't believe it's still two more issues. Yeah. Think? They better come soon, Kevin. I think so. Think they'll both come in December or we're really gonna have to wait until January.
2: Oof. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna say January. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a <laughs> that's a big fight for uh for issue eight, so I'm thinking nine will just be the resolver rather than nine being like the Hey, this is just the epilogue that you don't need to read type of thing. I'm guessing. So,
1: Hey, uh, you know, every now and then I like to report on the Marvel Digital Infinite comics. I really like them. Um, and I have a feeling it's something that, especially because of their price point or their delivery system that uh, people might... Uh, more than not choose to overlook them but occasionally there's some really good story arcs and or or good series and right now there's one that just started it's a deadpool and cable infinite comic and it's great it's should definitely it's a it's a it's a good read Um, this is one to get it's story by fabian nicienza Mm, how about that yes
2: the original Uh, and 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 riley
1: brown who also provides the art chores and riley brown's deadpool is really really good (laughs) and it's (laughs) all you're like the
2: the modern deadpool fanatic
1: now it's funny it's true i i really uh didn't read the old um you know casey series that everyone loves so much and whatnot i kind of came around uh uh during the what was it dan like daniel way stuff yeah um it's daniel right way i think I think so um you know, around that secret invasion time when Deadpool was popping up so much elsewhere that it was like, all right, let's see what some of his regular uh, stories are like and was really enjoying them. And that also had that uh, uh, Bong uh, Dazo series that was going on concurrently that was also entertaining. But this has a continuation of that um, mindset that was presented sort of the landscape from the Deadpool uh, The Gauntlet Infinite Comics series where he married the uh, demon uh, potential bride of Dracula and they had yeah. all the connection with the Hydra guy, Hydra Bob. Well Hydra Bob is all over this and he's still married to the the girl, um, which is funny. Um it's really gory, like bloody, really bloody Deadpools hacking off limbs, heads, um slicing a guy completely in half and and guts and blood flying everywhere, so uh buyer beware. Or, uh, you you know, to those kids who are right on the cusp, um, you're you're really going to like this. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, it's a good story, and it has um, that Deadpool cable dynamic that's been played up in past series. And it's funny, one of the the scientist doctor that they're trying to save or kill, his name is Carl Weathers, and he's a black guy. So there's a few uh, Apollo Creed jokes (laughs) going on. Uh, but it, there's only two issues out so far, but it looks like it's going to be a a, uh, a fun series. I'll definitely be checking it out.
2: That's interesting because they're doing all the all the Deadpool stuff. Well, I guess with the movie coming too, but they've been bringing back the Joe Kelly and um,
1: Oh yeah, they've been reprinting a lot. Yeah,
2: Ed McGinnis for uh, a miniseries with Deadpool and Spider-Man.
1: Well, yeah, that'll be interesting. Yeah. Well, they Marvel stuff with Sony um, I mean with uh, 20th Century Fox over uh, Fantastic Four and X-Men. It's interesting that um, they're happy to sell Deadpool. I guess so. <laughs> That's funny. There's a time travel element uh, to this series too. It's called uh, Subtitled Split Second. And the villain's name is Split Second and he has this time traveling armor. And there is an incident that happens at the end of issue number two that needs to be undone uh, because it's, uh, not, oh, it's not okay. Mm, and they yep. suggest that it's going to be a little bit like Groundhog Day, where we might see some events done over and over again until uh, they come out right.
2: Oh, so they're not running into Zarico the Tomorrow Man, are they? No.
1: And Cable doesn't have his sh- uh, you know, time-shifting or his metal arm
2: or his telekinesis, so he's just yeah. a big dude. Yeah, I was wondering how... I don't even know what his... Like current status, like he's gone through a lot of different changes in the recent years.
1: Just go with it. It's funny to hear him uh, learn from Deadpool that like he's married and he's got a kid, and (laughs) you know from his other title with Dugan. uh, So it's funny. Should be good.
2: I've been watching some shows, Steve.
1: Oh man, I can't believe this whole other Netflix series, and I stalled out (laughs) in the middle of the Daredevil one. I gotta catch up so bad.
2: You're just you're just a terrible other media Marvel ki- watcher. I'm just
1: my kids are up late and they're too, but they're too <laughs> young for the heavy stuff still, so it's rough.
2: Well, one of them is the Guardians of the Galaxy cartoon. Ah, that so, they've been enjoying. Yeah, I, I've been s- still sort of watching it, but it's not great. But you know, sometimes it'll surprise me. I, I, it. I, I think it was falling a little into that, well, it's the cartoon and we don't want to, you know, spoil too much for the movie. But sometimes they have some interesting things like uh, some of the characters from Infinity showed up. Like that, what was it, um, Proxima, Midnight, and some of those. So, like, I'm I'm sort of watching the show going, okay, yeah, you know, we're we're doing our, our thing here where... Drax takes everything really literally. Rocket's funny, and Groot saying "I am Groot," and all of a sudden, I'm like, "Whoa!" Didn't see those characters coming.
1: I mean, a lot of parents have exposed younger kids to the movie, uh, for you know, correctly or incorrectly. But kind of, if you're younger than ten, it's really not a movie made for you. The Guardians movie, yet all kids have experienced the wave of. Uh, you know promotional advertising for these characters and know who these characters are and you know really like ro- Rocket and Groot and stuff. So uh, to have the cartoon version and to be able to uh, throw in all other Marvel cosmic stuff, I love it. It's a it's a it's a no brainer for me. I read the companion comic, the first issue of it actually that they're doing with the Marvel Universe. You know they do the comics of the cartoons and they the first issue at least actually does stills from the. Uh, cartoon and just adapts uh, the first story. But the second <laughs> half of the issue has um, uh, I don't know, it must be one, two, three about twelve pages of a Lego mini comic featuring
2: Lego uh, Guardians of the Galaxies. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> gotta be pretty funny. Yeah. Cause I, I remember <laughs> seeing it a story, I think it was something like the Lego Bible or it was, or the Lego Shakespeare. It's just like Everything adapted into Lego. <laughs> Another series that I've been watching—I'm three episodes into the Jessica Jones right now. And and so I'm I'm really liking it now. Like I, I find sometimes with with shows, ex- especially with ma- mature shows, they they sort of like throw everything into the first episode, maybe just just to establish tone or to show you like we gotta, you know, like they might not like do like. I don't know, like violence, swearing, and nudity, and everything like in every episode. But you can be guaranteed, like all those things will be in one episode early on. So they like, <laughs> so you know what you're in for, type of thing. And then
1: <laughs> set the tone.
2: Yeah, they're they just like sort of overboard and finding their voice in the first episode. And then it's like, yeah, okay. Some of the episodes they just sort of lay off and then go off in their own directions, and then you know come back to that stuff later later on. Hmm. Well, yeah, it's uh, like the intro is is probably like um, like the title sequence is, is sort of like a Dave Mack painting painting. Oh, and there's some very Jessica scenes. Like I'm like that must be from the comic. I actually went back to read the first issue because like there's some things that are. I would say it's some of the some scenes, especially from the first episode, are. Really drawn from the comic, like I don't know if you could look at Daredevil and pull like exact stuff, but I find with the Jessica Jones, like you, there's definitely something that's that's pretty exact. Like maybe not like lines and lines of dialogue, but there's some scenes like that. Well, does so it that's open like? I went like... back for the for the first issue and I wanted to see, it and I'm like, wow, I had like forgotten it a lot.
1: <laughs> well, they just had the first issue uh, a reprint for like a dollar or something too, right? out like the one of those marvel must read kind of things to promote the series
2: yeah it's been reprinted i think a lot of times since it's and i guess it's it's kind of a landmark issue at this point
1: i know the whole concept of the uh series in general mimics uh chinatown but doesn't the actual first issue open with the beginning of chinatown the movie uh there's an old movie jack nicholson chinatown where he's a Uh, cop who uh, has left the force over a um, tough incident and he's now a washed up private eye and he gets pulled back into the old world um, which is what you know jessica jones is right but a superhero version of chinatown and if i remember correctly the beginning is the beginning of chinatown Uh, so it's funny if a tv show Mimics a car, a comic book that was mimicking a movie <laughs> that was probably a book. <laughs>
2: There's a lot of mimicking going back and forth. <laughs> I I know sometimes you're like ah like that comics mim- mimicking the the movie stuff or whatever. Or I think Andrew was saying something about Mockingbird, and I'm like, but that's not the exact same costume. But you can sort of see how some elements are coming back and forth. Hmm. Uh, it, it was it was just interesting. Like it's, it's weird, though, reading the first issue again, because I, I remember, like, I didn't start with the first issue. I think I started with the second one, and I was, like, able to buy a back issue for the first issue, and then I continued on. I don't think I was reading a lot of Marvel at the time, either. Like, I was maybe maybe 10 Marvel titles or, <laughs> or, or maybe 10 comics in total. I, I think I was at a low point at that point, but in hmm. New Marvel was coming in and I was like trying some relatively risky books for me where I didn't know the creators. Like Runaways, Alias, like I had not that much idea. Like it could have been a total failure, but <laughs> looking on my end uh, I enjoyed all this stuff. So yeah, it's it's weird going back to the first issue because you're thinking, oh, they're setting up a mystery. And because of who the villain is in the Netflix series, you th- you, you kind of feel like like the paranoia is like he's going to show up. But you know that's not the part where that's gonna happen. It's just weird. <laughs> oh yeah, but then so far, pretty good for the Netflix series. Like I, w- way more enjoyable for me than uh what they've been putting on uh on T V, regular network T V anyways. Cool. Well maybe we'll we'll come back around to uh, a more more uh complete review of uh, the Netflix series but I don't know we it's we never came back around for Daredevil so <laughs> no promises I guess
1: <laughs> hey remember how I was saying that the current S.H.I.E.L.D. series that Mark Wade is writing had some real gem issues in it because there's like different artists doing yeah. each issue
2: yeah like Howard Shagin that,
1: well, that's exactly it Eleven comes out and it's Wade Chankin. <laughs> I'm like, are you kidding me? And uh, it's Chankin returning to Dominic Fortune. I'm like, no way. <laughs> uh, had to pick this issue up. Shield number 11. And it has Dominic Fortune. He's an old man. He's retired. He has been swindled out of uh, a big like gambling boat that he owns. And uh, he seemingly tricks Coulson into coming with him to determine whether it's Hydra that took over the boat or really he just lost it uh, to a smooth operator. Mm -hmm. And there really seem to be no signs of Hydra um, until close to the third act when everything comes to a a head and then it becomes a fantastic action-adventure bond-type story. But Fortune is older, he's... um, you know, lost more than a step, and he is happy to um, have his uh, ends met by whatever means necessary. And it's particularly funny, and because it's Dominic Fortune drawn by Chenkin, it's charming as well. But all comes out in the end, and Chenkin um, tells us a good, another good Dominic Fortune story.
2: Uh, he's one I don't of those. If I've told my my history of Dominic Fortune story, uh oh, let's hear. No, it's it's weird because I don't really have any attachment to the character, but I encountered him like really early on in my reading. But it was it was like Silver Sable trying to save Dominic Fortune from dying. So it's like my intro was like, like Web of Spider Man. It's like he's like a really old man on the cover, and he's supposed to be like dead. So it was. I don't know. It's just it's just strange. I'm like, okay, like obviously, <laughs> Silver Sable, like intro early on, and I'm into the character. I read the book, but Dominic Fortune, I don't know. It's just like, oh, here's this character I don't know that's dying, and then I never really see him again. And
1: yeah, I mean, he was even in the black just... and white
2: Marvel mags of the '70s. Uh, yeah, he's he's an old character.
1: He's like the Paladin, but pepped up on goofballs. He's like, um, uh. Bruce Campbell playing Paladin, but it and it comes out Dominic Fortune. <laughs> hmm. Another one I wanted to ask you about, or tell you about, for that matter, is I finally came across one of those Eagle Moss uh, companion magazines to their chess collection pieces.
2: Uh, um, yeah. For
1: years we've seen those, you know, uh, Eagle Moss figurines, and they come with this nice, snazzy-looking companion mag. I finally was able to flip one open, and uh, it happened to be the Scarlet Witch one uh, that, that uh, came out recently. Uh-oh. And really, really good. The the way that everything is um, uh, typeset and, and with old and new images all throughout just give you a really colorful, not overly distracting history of the character, some important issues you should read um, and synopsises from it, uh, uh, Milo Manera, uh, centerfold pinup, really cool. Uh, I don't know um, if these are really the only ways that they'll ever uh, publish this material, but it's for those who are collecting them. Um, I get it.
2: Yeah, I've, I've seen some of the those magazines for uh, the Eagle Moss. Like they're well put together and everything. I just go uh oh because I'm like you know how. The Scarlet Witch continuity is currently. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So I just wonder what they would say. It, like, reminds me of, like, Marvel's website. Yeah. It was, like, for Peter Parker, they would say, he's separated or he's divorced or, like, it seemed like they were editing, like, his profile on on the fly.
1: (laughs) Yeah, they give you the whole House of M, the No More Mutants, the uh, whole Children's Crusade thing with Doom, and then coming back to the Uncanny Avengers and all that
2: runs the game. Yeah. I've been catching up on some reading on Marvel Unlimited as well. Some of the things that you've covered on past episodes. Like what? Like Omega Hulk. <laughs> I think that was decent. I'm like, they like the splash pages though. <laughs> it's funny, like I think I'm more accepting of like splash pages in a Hulk book than I am in say Legendary Star-Lord. Sure. Which seems sometimes just an an excuse to like, I don't know, like not not provide a whole lot of content. Like, I kind of feel like part of because Black Vortex was also the other thing I was finishing out, and I don't know, that just wasn't for me.
1: <laughs>
2: like there was some cool concepts, like they had that whole when the whole planet was covered in that like amber type of type of thing and then what was it the brood were like eating into the until they got to the people yes and I'm like oh yeah that provides some drama but some of the other stuff I was just like this is not doing it for me
1: it seemed um, pretty contrived and thrown together but it you know had it, it had its, it's moments of character
2: interaction that were worth it yeah and it seemed like really long like 12 parts <laughs> or or yeah. whatever and the whole thing is like 12 issues of, of keep away and I'm just like ah it's true I, I guess I, the closest thing I, I think about is like Avengers Defenders War but that was like finding the pieces I guess I like the finding the pieces and bringing the team together like those cliches better than hey let's keep away for 12 issues and I'm like yeah. would someone just destroy this thing now or do something no they clearly wanted to use that as the vehicle for you know you sit down how do we structure
1: this event All right, we're going to follow this piece through every issue and and that's what
2: they did. But, yeah, it, it, the Omega Hulk, It was. I guess I was kind of surprised by how that went down at the end. But, you know, satisfying, I guess. it. I guess it depends what kind of... where you grew up with the Hulk and where you want things to eventually go. It kind of reminds me of some of the endings in the Secret Wars of the Titans. It's like, well, you can use... Like that, your title's ending for Secret Wars different ways to get away with different stuff. <laughs> yep.
1: I was checking out uh, in my going back and trying to catch up on things that are, especially things that are like little self contained series or arcs. I had read the first issue of one of those Disney Kingdom spin off books that Marvel was doing um, The Seekers of the Weird.
2: I feel like we should have Andrew here for when we talk Disney.
1: I know. It's like we're uh, cheating on him. Yeah.
2: <laughs> but the Seekers of the Weird thing,
1: it's from, created from ideas from one of the classic old Walt Disney Imagineers, uh, Raleigh Crump, and from a bunch of his ideas that were yes. never manifested in, in the wonderful
2: uh, uh, exhibit that the Museum of the Weird was supposed to actually be in Disneyland. Yeah, that's an, that's an interesting historical thing. I've listened to some podcasts on that. So here we have the Marvel version of it. Instead, we're going to
1: get a comic book. And it's written by Brandon Seifert with art by Carl uh, Malone and also Felipe Andrade, who we've seen on various projects at Marvel. And um, they craft a pretty cool premise of kids uh, whose parents, they learn that their parents are wardens of this, uh, you know, museum of the weird and the parents get kidnapped and the kids have to, um, you know, find out, learn about this uh, secret of theirs and uncover just enough to manipulate the variables at play to be able to try to make a move at rescuing their parents. And there's some real serious stuff here. I mean there's you know there's flying books and there's uh, mushroom people and there's all kinds of crazy stuff that are all crumps uh, work. But um, you know they have an uncle and he gets um, bilaterally uh, amputated uh, in the thighs and it's like <laughs> it's like magic that makes the stump and 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 cauterizes the wounds. So it's just like this green glow like where his stumps would be. And uh, yeah, I mean, there's some <laughs> real weird stakes at play, and there's a uh, like the return of uh, the uh, embodiment of death that's been captured for decades since the and centuries since the Black Plague was the last time uh, he came out, and they're trying to prevent that from happening. And mummies and amulets and ghosts and really entertaining. Four issues and covers by Mike Del Mundo as well yeah that's what he was doing before uh electra which was before weird world yeah then that was so pleasing that i checked out one of the more recent ones and no i don't mean figment i'm not going to read those ones (laughs) but i read the five issue big thunder mountain railroad because ah who doesn't like a good western
2: sounds like an animated feature (laughs)
1: <laughs> it <laughs> is a uh like a roller coaster type ride if i'm not mistaken and this is um written by dennis hopeless and it has art by um I guess it ty walker is the artist's name and he has a real thick brush line that uh really makes his characters, uh, bold and, uh, for a Western, it works real good. He's great with the clothes of the time and the trains and the mines. And it's a story of a girl who, uh, is like a, uh, real firecracker, uh, good horseback rider, a young woman, uh, heroine of the story. And she's going to visit her daddy's mining town, uh, in the wild, wild west, right? And he runs a mine, and he, the dad has a, um, like a grimmer worm-tongue-type second-in-command who's uh, kind of tainting his orders and carrying them out more brutally than he intends and influencing um, the father to be making decisions that he's not really making well-educated that benefit the second-in-command guy, and he's putting all his miners at risk, and they're... Digging deeper into the mine than they should be, and uh, there's something funny about the mountain and the mine. There's something supernatural. <laughs> and, Can you uh, make any more Lord of the Rings references? Right, and th- in the mine, there's this like supernatural uh, blue lightning that comes out and uh, uh, smites those who need to be smoten and uh, you know uh, makes justice happen as the mountain um, needs it to. But uh it's uh, kind of a fun western tale. There's kind of big stunts in it, and it's all um, portrayed uh, very well. There's a thing of her joining a bunch of outlaws who are actually working you know mine workers who are sort of like rebelling against the the father and him um, first her, but then him learning that what they're doing is wrong and and uh, it's just a nice little moral western story with just a touch of the supernatural that uh, the story didn't really even need but it's huh. there it's there
2: yeah it's kind of interesting to see what books like marvel gets and what books they'll like farm out like obviously marvel's going to do the star wars and some other disney books but you never know
1: yeah well this is a particular deal between the imagineers and marvel of like helping finish up unfinished projects and, um, developing pet projects by putting those creative forces together, which, uh, I I
2: think it's clever. Well, I got one more Marvel Unlimited book for you, Steve. What's that? Silk. Ooh. I remember buying the first issue of this and saying, oh, that's, that's kind of all right, but I never really came back to it, so... I've been reading up on what's available on the Marvel Unlimited, so I, I think uh, I think Silk has turned out pretty well so far. Like, I think I should have gave it more of a more of attention, but you you start to see all these Spider books, you know, like exactly. W- which one am I gonna give more attention to? I think I gave more attention to Spider Woman. It's it's in a glut of Spider books. And uh,
1: it's like one more. And what's going to make this one stand out? You just have to read it. And if you enjoy it, you enjoy it. And uh, I did take the time to read it. And I was like, wow, uh, this new character is kind of growing on me pretty quickly.
2: Yeah, so much so that I think I'm going to, when it comes out with its new number one again, I think I'm going to pick that up and see how that goes. Because even though this one has, like, we've talked about Black Cat. Even though Black Cat's in it, <laughs> Being wrong, right? <laughs> yeah. And it's kinda of funny that uh, at the end of the fourth issue, like her outfit isn't even like drawn correctly, like the eyes aren't on there and everything, and I'm and I'm like I laugh and I'm like, I'm totally fine with that if they forget to like do something with that weird outfit now. And then the the, the same issue you see, um Spider Man's has brought the Fantastic Four over to Check on Silica, like, see if she's, you know, adapting well and everything. And then yeah. Reed Richards is playing is Galactus <laughs> 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 to test her out with her reflexes and everything. So I thought that was, was kind of funny. It's kind of a cute book. And she's, like, trying to find uh, what happened to her family and all this other stuff with uh, adapting to the world. And you get to see Crazy Jameson at the same time.
1: <laughs> I like her. Uh, dynamic with Peter Parker as well which is funny.
2: Yeah, Very. it's kind of not like I think in the in the um, amazing book was kind of more over the top and this is more subdued. Yes. But uh yeah, probably better in the long term.
1: When done correctly, it's uh at least this past series of cons that I went to, it's a uh, really uh great new cosplayer costume.
2: Yeah. And it's introducing me to some different artists too, like it's not the, I guess not their, I, no, no one I'm familiar with anyways. Like the first three issues had, jeez, uh, I'm blanking, was it Stacy Lee? Mm-hmm. And then the fourth issue had someone else I wasn't familiar with. And they, they sort of like drew the thing where like he was all like loose. They didn't, they didn't bother to like do all the rocks and everything. And I'm like, well, that's an interesting take. It's not entirely lumpy, but when it sort of when something important or is closer to the reader, it's like you start seeing more of the detail and everything. Yeah. But apparently, that was their first work on a Marvel book.
1: Huh? Worked for me.
2: Yeah, I thought it was good. It fits the title.
1: Now, the last one I have is a series, six issue series that was pre Secret Wars. That I don't know. It just I. For whatever reason, I didn't jump right into reading it, and then it just has kind of sat there. And uh, I was like, I should read that, because there's
2: really no reason not to. So let me pop it open and give it a try. I think I should have been the one that was telling you about this series. I know, right? And that, that was the other angle of
1: it, is that you in particular, although we in a more global sense, uh, at least uh, hands across the North American border type of sense, had uh, really enjoyed the Wolverine and the X-Men, um, you know, uh, Jean Grey School uh, series, right? Even, yeah. even when it changed hands and, and uh, evolved into something kind of different than it was for the first 20 issues or so.
2: No, this is almost a return, but it's not. Like, it's it's really funny. They had a second volume of the wolverine and the
1: x-men but then wolverine went and died (laughs) so even with secret wars coming which was seemed like an odd thing to start since secret wars was coming but no it made sense because they basically gave us a six issue limited series it must have been
2: intended to always be that it was the way
1: that it ends it totally the story is told and it wraps up and peter's got to get back to his life and i don't mean peter rasputin i mean Peter Parker. This is Spider-Man and the X-Men. And I don't mean a team-up with Spider-Man and the X-Men. I mean Spider-Man taking the role of Wolverine in the Jean Grey school and taking on a class of X-Men.
2: And Storm's always on his case. <laughs> I like how the first issue begins, though. They have that sort of, like, um, as students have to s- sign, like, we are not responsible for maiming if you're transformed if you go into outer space and you're turned into the Phoenix, see Appendix B and all this stuff.
1: In every issue, there's a, an extremely clever um, catch-up, uh, you know, title page that uh, has notes between staff and various other uh, <laughs> little funny, uh, Easter eggy type things. This six issue series was written by Marco Falia, and or no, I'm sorry, it was drawn by Marco Falia and written by Elliot. Kalan, who neither gentleman am I aware of their work uh, in other circles, but something must have caught the editor uh, editor's eyes, Katie Kubert, for um, to pull them in and do this series. And
2: uh, boy, they know their Marvel. Oh yeah, they they, <laughs> they make references to to a lot of different things and <laughs> to just pop culture at random. And I. Don't, the other thing I, that really should have hooked me on this book was the villains and the cast of characters, like, sort of, I guess some of them are from the young X-Men and some of those failed X-Men titles that didn't go that long with like, young mutants, but they're mostly like the, the the Jason Aaron era, Wolverine, the X-Men, like, or I guess the Morrison X-Men. I guess I right. usually think of those as sort of like the, the same group, and then there was like the group before that that I didn't read, but... People sort of like like everyone sort of has their generation of X Men, and I feel like I skipped one, and then I latched onto this one with like Blob <laughs> <laughs> Herman, and, and like No Girl and Eye Boy, and is there's
1: in there from the old uh, New Mutants days? Yeah,
2: and Shark Girl and Rock Slide and
1: Eye Boy. Yeah, this is a cast of seven kids, and Spidey as one of Wolverine's uh, last wishes asked Spidey to come in and teach a class in, like, responsibility. And at first it seems pretty clear because these mutants are all about mutants. They don't care particularly about humans and collateral damage. They don't think that way when they're in battle. They're trying to save their own skin. Um, and so it makes sense for Spidey to be kind of telling them, um, you know, about having power and responsibility and, and uh, watching out for human lives and maybe letting the bad guy get away because you had to save um, you know, some innocents. Uh, but there's something more to it than that.
2: Well, he, 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 he taught uh, Hope well about power and responsibility, right Steve? That's
1: true. And Wolverine knows that there is a traitor, a mole amongst <laughs> these seven students. These seven students that he's put together in a, um, a special class. like They're like the breakfast club. Um, group together and one of these seven is a spy for an enemy which enemy don't know um, so it's Spider-Man's job as an outsider with no emotional attachment um, to the school or to any of the individuals um, to be teaching this class as a front for figuring out which one is, is the bad guy
2: Mr. Spider-Man yeah
1: Professor S as, <laughs> as they say at the end which is awesome yes. <laughs> But what's funny is he brings his Spider Man, though. It, it, it isn't all taking place in the school. Um, Spider Man uh, gets kidnapped a lot and uh, gets attacked a lot, and off they go. And it is, it's a pretty funny um, pairing of Spider Man with these kids because they're slowly coming around to his way of thinking, but he's also slowly coming around to realize a little bit what it's like to be a mutant and just be attacked like every issue you know just standing around and attacked um, and so things play out interestingly there are uh, symbiotes there are there's mr sinister there's three sinister six jokes <laughs> in different issues completely different independent of one another in six issues there's there's three sinister six jokes one of them being related to mr sinister uh but I, I found it to be a really good little series.
2: You didn't mean, mention the best ones, though. That's your Stegron, job. Stegron, and the Dinosaur Man, and Sauron? <laughs> oh, my gosh. They are too <laughs> funny. <laughs> I don't know. I guess I have a soft spot for some crazy guys. And then I was kind of wondering, have they teamed up before? Because it seems pretty obvious. I mean, think of all those old lizard and Stegron uh, yeah. face-offs. But no, Sauron
1: is, uh, usually sticks to his X-Books. Yeah.
2: I, yeah, I guess it's sort of grouping up like a Spider-Man villain with an X-Men villain, too. And there's quite
1: a bit of um, dialogue about that back and forth, about them yeah. each making each other's villains um, worse off, uh, etc. Because the chameleon's involved and um, it's, it's, it's a good Spider-Man story, but it's also clearly a story that's right out of the Gene Grey school.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and they make comments about the X Mansion getting attacked every day, but then it's like spider mans just randomly getting attacked all the time too. Like if he goes to the museum or wherever. There's a Mojo story.
1: There's um, follow-up on what's going on with Deathbird being pregnant with Havoc. With uh, not Havoc, uh, the uh, that Emperor person from the uh, X-Men Genesis thing. Falcon? Yeah, that one. we don't want to remember that one right steve and then because spider-man is a uh, scientist also so there's also one of the issues is a like a science competition between the beast and his class and spider-man and his class and it's really funny and the interactions between spider-man and the beast are are clever because that's usually uh you know the beast is spider-man of the x-men when he's in his blue furry, bouncing around, uh, jovial type role.
2: Well, if you want to hide, like some kind of formula or something, you can just drink it and it'll be totally okay. Hmm.
1: Spider Man and the X Men. Shouldn't have overlooked it. Yeah. Got anything else, Kev?
2: I think that's about
1: it. Well, then, let's wrap this here up. Well,. Like I said, this issue, this episode was just uh, kind of thrown together uh, at the last minute, in between travel plans and whatnot. So bear with us, and we'll be back next time for something more substantive. Right?
2: Looking forward to it. Maybe uh, some more thunderbolts. There you
1: go. Or Continue. maybe,
2: or, or we'll have to start thinking about um, roundtable for end of the year tune to, soon too. Like, geez. Oh yeah. I
1: wonder if uh, Tom Morris can come out and play. <laughs> All right. Until Namor appears in his movie debut as the Submariner, make my name-